Welcome into the Dream Preview Podcast. I am Mackenzie. Our fearless leader, RJ Bell, is down for the count today. He recently got his second COVID vaccine shot. He will be back tomorrow, so don't worry. And we will do a special podcast, which will be released Friday in the morning. Until then, we will not leave you hanging, though. We got two best bets for you, one from Diamond Dave Essler, one from the Translucent One, Tommy the Hitman. We also have a few snippets over the years, some great stories from RJ and Steve Fezzik. They're going to talk about Vegas. They're going to talk about poker, Double Down Saloon, all that and more coming at you on the Dream Preview Podcast. So now I get a five like minute old burger that's not even hot because I don't I even like pickles. I only say no pickles because I want to made it fresh. And I get a burger with pickles that's been made six minutes ago. I said no pickles. Are you gonna be buried with your pompadour? Have you thought about that? <laughs> Have not thought about it. All right. It's important for brand. I mean when the friends of Mike Lee when he passed away and you don't think we're gonna keep the service going? I'm hoping <laughs> we like we uncovered like uh, in your safe there was like these books of how you did everything and and I improved it real quick over the weekend and here we well, go. Well, that's that certainly is true. <laughs> I was like, I'm I'm thinking selfishly about my son, you know, and it's like I've got the hidden secrets. I'll of give Steve Fezzik that. Yeah, even I think you don't what I'll know. do is uh, I'll make him sign away all his rights to anything he might have rights and give him like five thousand bucks and he'll be oh five thousand dollars. Five thousand more than he was gonna get. Exactly. Net win, and let's be candid. He's probably gonna get. He's gonna be the smart guy gets took, and then then he gets smart enough, or he gets successful enough, he can get took, and it's just round. You know, he's making in today's dollars. Let's say, and this is if you're a smart kid and you're diligent, like really smart. Yeah, you're gonna make your two forty. You know, unless you really screw up, that's a lot of money. But again, you're talking. You know, maybe one out of a thousands intelligent. One of a thousand intelligence. But no, he's not going to have a lot of street sense. Oh, absolutely not. Do you ever think of maybe like dropping him off down on DI in, let's say, Maryland? Because that's, that's not a bad area. That's like the fringe of the um, university district. You know, it's a couple blocks from UNLV. You know. Normal. My son is such a cupcake, RJ. <laughs> Literally, poolside, he'll say, Daddy? Is that a wasp? And he'll be like concerned, like he he loves the pool, like he wants to get out of the pool. I finally I picked him up and threw him on top of a wasp. I'm like, come on, Johnny. In the pool. You threw your boy on top of a stinging insect? Yeah, on the surface of the water. I figured it was You do realize that was a horrible thing to do. Well, it wasn't no, like no, I'm not saying horrible like ethically. I'm saying that's what he's going to remember. You know, think back to your childhood and think back pre-age 10. I, most people only remember less than 10 things. Like, what do you remember clearly before the age of 10? Going to see the Reds in the World Series. So there was, that's interesting, right? It's a specific game, right? One game. And I'm guessing you can tell me like something your dad even wore, right? Yeah. What did he wear? He wore Cincinnati Reds jacket. Yeah, but you yeah. can remember seeing it, right? Yeah. In your mind, I'm saying. Because I reinforced it after we went, year after year after year, so it stayed in my memory. Right. Well, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, not a neuro- I'm not a neurologist, right? I'm just saying I know people. You remember that. All right, give me something else. My dad took me to a chess tournament when I was six. See? 
And it's think about it, is the jet, and that's why to me as a non-parent, it's always interesting how in the prior generations it was these special times and they meant something. Now the parents are there every second. Mm -hmm. I, I, do they remember? I know they won't remember all of it. So do they remember none of it? <laughs> and then they say, "Wouldn't it be funny?" It's like thirty years from now. It's like, what do you remember? Well, my seventh volleyball game in my uh, second grade year. My dad actually broke his ankle on the way, and he wasn't there. He wasn't there for the entire – he called at halftime to make sure I was okay. I mean, is that going to be the memory, that the one game he wasn't there? Mm. I don't know. But all joking aside, and this sounds like – and people rebel against this because it sounds like it's liberal and some people hate liberal. But – when you have a loving parent, which you obviously are, and you try to be tolerant and you don't have your normal, like, come on, man, come on, kid, it's pretty stupid. So you're trying to be perfect, then you blow. And when you blow, you do something that feels like, because if someone said, you know what I bet Steve did this summer is take his son who is deathly afraid of wasps and physically pick them up and dropped them upon a wasp. I would have bet a million dollars you didn't do that. Like, I'm not sure you did it to this moment. No, I did. I mean, guys, you've been hearing his stories with his kid. If I would have said, I bet, you know what I bet just out of the blue, that he drops his kids on a wasp as he's screaming, no! What would you think the odds were? One in a thousand. At best. Does I mean, this seem I've normal? Does this seem like it. a normal course of events to you? That you won't say that you were locked in the same house with your son for two months. You had one moment <laughs> of consternation. Well, it was a reaction to the fact he's exactly. such a cupcake. It, it but, literally but he never a, just became a cupcake. He's been a cupcake from day one. Yeah, he hits a golf ball so like, why like would a you, little out of bounds. He, Daddy, I don't want to go into the rough to pick that up in the rocks. You know what's funny? If like 20 years or if like... Seven years from now, he's ready to go to the prom, but someone finds this tape and they play it over the loudspeaker at school and then his, his prom date cancels and he hates you and he never speaks to you again. That'd be hilarious. He gives you a black and white picture of a wasp or something. Ah! Imagine if he gets a full chest tattoo of a wasp. <laughs> he can't even wear a tux because he's, he's too uh, traumatized. And he starts a game called The Wasp. I mean, this the, we could write a book off of this, dude. He has nightmares of drowning in a pool with wasps. <laughs> you do realize that to go from, in a way, you're, you know what's going to happen this conversation, well, if he was, and Johnny is a smart kid, man. I mean, really smart. But when parents do wrong and they look back in hindsight, and often it's too easy, right? Mm -hmm. They feel like they got to support that kid in their 20s because they say, you know something? We didn't arm him for this world. And that's the fact that he's dropping out. Of, and again, when you're really smart, you can overcome some of these things. But if he had an IQ 110, the way he's being raised, whew, because He'd come back, and you guys would have to be like, maybe we got to sell the house and try to help him because I think that as a fan of the Fezzik clan, I think you react. Do me a favor. Ask. Don't even say it's you. Say, I've been, you know, you know, tell a few people you trust. Say, 
you know, I love John. And he's smart. And he's a good kid, good heart. Not real tough. And I got a friend of mine who has a kid like that, and he did this. Ah. And say, like, what, I don't even know what to think of it. Like, don't even, like, see it one way or the other. And they're going to tell you to a sane person, meaning anyone you talk to that's sane that has kids are going to say, what? He went from doing nothing. Because you got to give the kid a warning. You can't fire. Like, even in a job, you can't fire someone the first time they make a mistake. They make a mistake, and you tell them, this is not okay. You try to create a consequence, but not so bad the first time. And then there's a, a process. In, in a big company, they got it. First time you get a letter, mm. and then they show the documentation if there's ever a lawsuit. You don't go from a kid saying, no matter what you say, son, I'm going to just hug you and snuggle, to physically dropping him on the animal he most fears. How, when was this? Just last week in the pool. How's he been since? He's fine. Fine is not he's good. good. No, he's good. <laughs> I mean, how many kids do you got, Matt? Three. What, take a minute and explain to me how crazy this is. Uh, to be honest, it's not that crazy. But it, Well, hold on. I'm not saying it's that crazy that you would get frustrated with your kid and do something you don't love. Yes. You know? I'm saying if you go from never having a moment of that, where the kid doesn't know that world, your kids have a hellish exhibit. Okay. In that, case, in that case, all I can do is agree. I can't explain it because you're absolutely right. It's 180 degrees. Well, I guess what you could explain is, is how rare, how, if I told you, you had to never get mad. So let's just say during COVID, if I told you that in the two month lockdown, you couldn't have a moment of anger against one of your kids. How crazy does that seem? That seems crazy. How long did you ever go a day without being angry at each and every kid individually? Yes. Two days? Maximum three. All right. So every third day he's having a reaction you said you didn't have once in two months. Correct? Correct. I can't even remember being angry, angry at my son ever. Except when, Ever. except when you dropped him on a stinging insect. That was that a calculated feels. maneuver. No. That was not. Oh, wait a minute. You're saying you were totally calm the whole time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take. Then you're a sadist. Like, he, he, how was he screaming? Did, you, did, did he know? Did you say, I'm going to go drop you on that one? I did disclose. And, and how did he react? He's like, Daddy, don't. I'm like, I said, I, I, I said you're too much of a marshmallow, Johnny. This will help you. And how long was the walk to the, the, the wasp? Oh, like the two end. seconds later. Happened. And during those two seconds, was he screaming? No. He, was, he didn't think I was going to do it. So he actually went into he trauma. He thought I was bluffing. And then when you released him, <laughs> could, was, could he see the wasp? Oh, yeah. So his head was like turned, <laughs> looking. His father has him trapped. The one person he can trust. And he's going, Daddy, no. Daddy, no. And you're, it's like... You're seeing red. You're like Michael Coleone right before he shoots the lots out. You're seeing nothing, but you want to have your son be dropped upon a deadly. Do we know he's not allergic to wasps? No, we don't. But when you dropped him, he... he I would say I threw him. Because you were afraid to get near the wasp? <laughs> no, I don't care. I don't care about the wasp. My son's afraid of fireflies. He's afraid of any like little anything like little bugs. He's afraid of them. 
but you got to realize that that makes it where he's less of a candidate for this kind of treatment because this is what causes people to have real phobias. Like, I don't like dogs. And you, you th- I mean, it's funny, I guess, but I was like six years old, walking. I was okay with dogs. And there was this mean dog that was in a house and he always would be barking. And you think I'm lying? The dog busted through the window. It's like a, a nightmare because you're looking. And I'm running and I'm with my friend and we're running. Dog catches up, bites me on my cap, my little six-year-old cap. And, oh, my and God. Yeah. And I haven't liked dogs since. I mean, I was wrapped it up and was playing something in 10 minutes. But I can still see that dog in that window. Just like little Johnny is going to. But my dad didn't hold me there to let the dog bite me. And my dad's a borderline evil dude. Mm. I could. I'm feeling. I'm I almost feeling, would I'm second thoughts now. I, I got to say this. For people who didn't have parents that went to jail for the way they treated them, you're probably in the top 5% of like, what's the worst thing your dad ever did to you? Right? Have, have you done anything to any of your kids, Matt, that you would say it was worse than that? No, no. Hmm. So literally you went from being the parent that never, ever did anything wrong to short of going to jail, you're the worst. <laughs> and you didn't prepare your boy for it. That's the thing. You got to toughen him up one step at a time. Let's just keep us updated on how he's acting. <laughs> you, th- you know, actually, you think I'm kidding? And I- I'll say this quick and we'll move on. Any, every kid should probably go to a counselor a little bit. I mean, I'm a believer. You go to the dentist for your teeth. What's the downside, right? I'm not saying like every day or once a week. I'm saying once a year. Check in, have a talk with someone other than the parents where they can talk honestly. I don't know. I don't know about the once a year. Is that, is that not good? It's counterproductive. But there's a way to get him where he feels like he can talk to someone other. Because you only know your parents, right? You know your friends, but you're not talking about any, you know. But kids have real feelings. Yeah, and and in fact, like at night, like after we swim, Johnny's always saying, Daddy, can we talk for like five minutes before we go in? So it's kind of like our counseling session. I'll be honest. I think it's a wonderful, loving thing. I kind of feel for him having you give him advice about things other than do you talk betting though oh we don't we don't talk advice we might we've been known to talk gambling and i i'll I'll be honest i think he understands position as well as the average vegas poker player okay you mean like in hold him like the button yeah he's like you're not you're not gonna play under the gun like literally (laughs) he's like you're crazy king jack i love that well i bet he's he's gonna be a rock Oh, he'll be in that. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna have to. Yeah, because I, I got to. Maybe teach him. maybe what you need to do is like take all his money, like break into his bank account, take all his money, say that's what happens to nits, and then let him live on the street for a few weeks. But I got to teach him how to be a nit first, and then you know we, he can expand to some other. It sounds like he naturally place. is a nit. You don't have to teach yeah. him about. Yeah, becoming he's a he's, he's he's a natural. When when we're close to the bubble, like he'll watch me play like a tournament, and he'll be like, "Oh my God, you're not gonna play, Daddy. You're five off the bubble." So he's just got throw that ace queen away. So his most common emotion is fear. In that case, yeah. No, it, it sounds like every yeah. story you've told us, he's afraid of something. Yeah, he's he's a marshmallow. <laughs> so how would you define a nit? A nit is a guy in poker 
that absolutely doesn't want to gamble. He just wants to win at, with almost no risk. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, if you're playing, you want to win. So every mm. poker. So what we're saying is his tolerance for risk is real low. And Nick kind of comes with like, like a, the idea of an ant. Like if, imagine if your aunt or your uncle decided to play a home game of poker and they had that, you know, there, there's a sense, maybe I'm thinking of knitting, Hmm. But when I hear knit, I think about like a someone pull, like a fifty-five-year-old lady point out her purse to take out a twenty. I always wonder how much money because it seems like they always have a lot of money. Like women, you you wouldn't know where it came from, but they open they like guys. I guess the purse helps. Guys, these gay, no one carries money except good gamblers or gamblers I respect do. I still always want to have. I swear to God, I want to have. Two two dimes in my pocket. They call that what? Walking around money. No, no. Right? I, I mean, I, I sometimes I might not crack out rubber band for a week, but you know, meaning. Uh, but if if somehow I'm down by GVR and I want to play cards, I you know you got your money, right? I guess it shows you who wants to really gamble and who doesn't, right? The people that leave the house with their credit card. <laughs> Let's put our Mastercard in the middle, but bringing it back. Him going to a counselor anyway is probably not a bad thing for a couple weeks. Just let him have. But I swear to God, if he doesn't have a problem, meaning that he, if he doesn't feel upset, oh, that he, I would bet major money he's thought about that in the last 24 hours. Well, I'm going to ask him about it. Yeah, I'll get just, back to you. Yeah. But he'll be honest. Yeah. And I think the trick is don't make it act like, you know, don't laugh because if you come and go, ha ha, I was talking to RJ and we were right. laughing about the wall. He is going to take a cue from you and kind of laugh. Just say, you know, something I was thinking, we talk, you know, like be neutral and say, that wasp thing, I mean, what do you, uh, you know, I was going to, I was even going to color it there, but I don't think you do that. I'd say, how are you feeling about that? Yeah. And you can tell me the truth. No, there's no wrong answer. That's the way to say it. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Next week, you report. Will do. Except if it's really bad, and then just say no comment. Okay. And I might be going away to <laughs> the penitentiary. I'm not. Is that breaking a law? Somewhere in the world. Yeah, it has to be. Oh come on. Thursday, June fourth, RJ. We've got confirmed openings of the following hotels: Venetian, Bellagio, along with New York, New York, the Wynn and the Encore, Caesar's Palace, and the Flamingo. Okay, so on one hand, a lot of properties. On the other hand, it's eight days from now. Now, I totally get that if there's any place where social distancing is tough, and if you don't gamble a ton, and you know, half our audience, half the listeners don't, and we're so proud of that. They just want to know, as we often say, if you're a sports better, you listen for the money. If you're a sports fan and not a better, you listen to no more than your buddies. But think about handling the chips, handling the cards. I can say as a poker player, not a professional, but a guy who plays pretty seriously amateur in an amateur sense. And you know, if you can say my my big win ever was seven thousand, we could call that amateurish or not. If you think so, maybe we should play. But what I'll say, <laughs> what I'll say is this. And if I don't know your name, I'm probably okay. What I'll say is this. Fez, is when we play cards, I know you play cards too, even if you go three or four hours, and some sessions go, and, you know, if you've seen rounders, it's like a 30-hour session. Listen, I mean, Fez, what's your longest poker session? 
12 hours. Oh, you're a piker. I've, I've, had, I've had some good 18-hour sessions. And, I mean, if, it, if it's a good, good game, what do you do, right? It's one insane. more orbit, RJ. Just yeah, one, one more, more orbit. orbit. And then you lose, and now you were <laughs> up, and now you're almost break even. You don't want to go home off the loss, and you lose another. Oh, nightmare. But even if it's every three, four hours, if you go wash your hands – I mean, it's, it's like you were working in the yard. I mean, it just comes off like soot because you're touching the chips and the cards and the felt, right or wrong. Correct. And poker is going to be a real problem coming back because the new guidelines call for a maximum of four players at a poker table. RJ, every poker game I've ever played in, when we get back down to five, the game breaks. I can't well, see it does, poker. It shouldn't break. It should be reduced rake at that point. You break it when, it's ha- when it gets short like that? All the that, tourists that's another leave. Ex- it's another. Oh, I'm sorry, Jonas, <laughs> you were jumping in? No, no. I just uh, Fez is complaining because there's not enough people at the table to win money from. I but but, but really, that's not what he's complaining. If we had <laughs> if we had time, this is the kind of stuff we do on podcasts. But he's what you call a short stack specialist. <laughs> now, what is that? That's an a hole that shows up at a limit that is higher than he wants to play. Right. So for me, I would play five uh, ten normally. You know, not as an a hole. So. Let's say, Faz, you would short stack in a uh, brick-and-mortar casino, so not online, at what limit? Yeah, 510, I'll buy in for 200, sure. All right, so, so first off, you couldn't buy Wherever you're buying in for 200, there, it, it's a crazy place. At the Bellagio, you're buying in for 400 minimum, but it's still only 40 big blinds. Right. So Fezzik will sit there and he'll make sure to pass till he won't post till he's in. We've never discussed this. He won't post till the buttons pass them. True or false? True. All right. So now he that's another way where you're making because when you sit down, it's making everyone wait three hands without him playing. But he's fine with that. He doesn't bother him at all. Right. He's probably up, probably getting on the transfer list at that point in case he doesn't like this game. He wants to transfer to another table. Correct or not, Fez? Yes, and if I double up, RJ, I leave immediately rat hole style. Well, I really appreciate that you ended up finishing my story for me. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, you just have no sense to tell a story, (laughs) do you? Do you really think I did it? You know what I'm going to do? I am going to show good cheer because this guy showed up a couple extra days this week. I'm just going to say... the audience is paying the price. They missed such a great payoff, the way it would have paid off. It's almost like, let, let, let's think of a joke that has a, uh, a punchline that we all know. And just imagine that you're building up to it. And then just some guy comes and goes, oh, yeah, Jack and Jill went up the hill with a buck and a quarter. It's like, why? Why? I'm not going to be mad. I want you to explain. Did you think I didn't? Like, I, the main point here was that you do... Do what you just explained. Do you think I wasn't telling the story because of that? My bad. Stepped on the punchline. <laughs> so anyway, to kill the punchline, what Fez will do is because he has a short stack, he's in a position to push or fold. So effectively, you can't really play against it. Is He'll decide when to push, when to fold. It's an amount of money that makes it so 
if you got a really premium hand, you can go in and you probably got him. But he's not only pushing with premium hands, and that's there's no implied odds. It's a very difficult way to play. It's almost all luck, except he gets to judicially judiciously choose when to push. Now you might say, well, why doesn't everyone do that? Well, one, there wouldn't be a game, and number two, most people aren't thinking about every edge because it's only five ten. So he's only pushing apparently in his game two hundred dollars. So your ROI on that might be what? 40 bucks? He's doing this to pay for his buffet <laughs> on the way to the buffet. <laughs> so I even, I even somehow redeemed your crazy oh, way man. you stepped on it. But anyway, neon's off till Thursday. Fez steps on jokes. Go ahead, John. <laughs> so, RJ, speaking of Fez, though, I mean, you had a, a hell of a tease before we went to break in the thought of Fez oh. quarantine, quarantine, actually getting the best of Steve Fezzik and his relationship with a special someone. And listen, I got to be candid here i johnny little fez johnny as he's called is one of my favorite kids i mean brilliant you might think obviously fez is brilliant his kids probably a little smart no listen all the dads are kids smarter than me it's like you know most of the time it's not true because i hang around with smart people but it might be true in this case and he has a wonderful disposition too he's not like a bratty you know all kids have some brattiness in him less than normal especially for a kid who's so entitled talk about silver spoons i mean think about the next generation right but he wonderful kid all that said and again how many square feet your house fast seven thousand Six thousand. Six thousand. So I guess there's a lot of space, right? <laughs> but I know this. Our producer, we call him Hollywood Matt, because he, you know, former movie guy. I think he can jump in here. Let's just see what the, a normal person. Now, here's the thing about Hollywood Matt. Hollywood Matt literally went to UCLA for undergrad. Okay, that's good. Then he went to Columbia to get his master. So he's an Ivy League masters kind of guy. So he's not normal, but he's more normal than Fezzik. He's got a couple of kids. Let's hear from him, I hope, about how he's feeling at this point. My kids need activities outside the house. (laughs) In fact, you asked for a day off Friday, and and, and again, you've taken only a couple days in six months. What was the rationale? It's going to be 107 in Las Vegas, and my kids haven't been outside of our neighborhood in weeks and weeks and weeks. And you can hear he's beaten down. Now, you might think part of this is working for me, and that's true. But it's not just that. And in a way, I think, Matt, you're underselling it. When we're talking, per- just give me a flavor of a, just a little 10 seconds of truth of how it's been with the kids at home. Uh, tantrums every 15 minutes from the two, four, uh, four and five year old. Uh, the 12 year old is locked in his room, self imprisoned, I think. <laughs> to, to avoid All right. Us. Now, how old is Johnny, Steve Fezzik? He's nine years old. Okay, so right in that zone. How's it going? Johnny is loving quarantine. Okay, that's interesting. You're deferring or defraying the question. I'm saying, how's it going for you? It is going great. It is not unusual, RJ. At like 6 o'clock, my son and I would grab some golf clubs. We sneak out onto the course, and we just play two or three holes (laughs) right before dusk for free. We both grab an eight iron and a putter. We come back, jump in the pool. I mean, listen, if there's any story <laughs> that really just epitomizes, I didn't know that was going to be the story. If there's any story oh, that epitomizes Fezzik, he has 6,000 square feet on a golf course, <laughs> but he somehow, now let's be clear, you don't have membership at this course, correct? 
Oh, no. Public course. But, oh, so, but do you live on it, or how far away from it are you? Wait, I, I can walk around the block and get into the uh, number seven hole. And at that point, you're not thinking, hey, I'm stealing. This is like Napster style with golf. You're just thinking, hey, better me have the money in my pocket than them. Hey, there's people out walking their dogs right now. There's no marshals around. <laughs> it's like martial law on the golf course, if you ask me. Now, would it, do you ever wonder how it would affect your brand if you were literally arrested for this? Trespassing? Your boy has to go to juvie. I mean, imagine that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, because what happens, Jonas, in the pick selling industry is you got a lot of people who act like they're Fezzik, right? They, yeah. they rent a car. They act like it's their car. I mean, this guy, you know, this is all true. <laughs> it's, and, it, and, it's, and, oh, go ahead. It's the most unrelatable story to a listener that's ever been told on the show. In and the middle, in the middle of a pandemic, he plays golf and then goes swimming afterwards. Like, I mean, nobody this, can relate to that. You know, I know they clip up the show and they'll have like, if you missed it on Straight Out of Vegas, here is Steve Fezzik. I, I recommend that heartedly. In fact, we need to cut this up, Hollywood, before you leave on vacation for a day. Clip this up. But you know what's funny? It's true. He's been trained to tell the truth, but then the question is, he won't say, like a normal guy that loved his boy more than anything would say, you know something? Greatest thing in my life, Johnny, but in the same house for two months, there's moments. Like, he won't even say that. So why not, Faz? There, there are no moments at all. There are moments between mom and dad, but uh, Johnny and I are playing Battleship or Gin Rummy, or even he's coaching me playing live poker. And you know, Jonas, as I throw back to you, <laughs> this might be shrewd on his part because you know how a lot of people love pets, for example. And there's theories in different books on marketing that if you want to be uh, affable, if you want to be someone who people relate to, just talk about your love of your pet and that people will just say, oh, me too. And then they feel a connection. Another thing some people do is talk about their love of coffee because a lot of people love coffee. So finding ways to connect. Fez knows that, that, that so many people, you know, in a, such a righteous way, such a wonderful way, they love their kids. They're hearing Fez be like the, maybe the dad of the year, except he's actually doing a crime with him, but maybe the dad <laughs> of the year otherwise, he's figuring makes him seem somehow relatable because he knows he can't be relatable being an everyman because he has a mansion and a yacht. He can only be relatable this way. Listen, don't put it past him, Jonas. Don't it's put it past him. What you're saying is you were truthful in that case. Yes. Why were you truthful in that case? I'm guessing you were deceptive for a while and then you couldn't be deceptive anymore. And you no, told the I truth. just was more comfortable with myself. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So what you're saying is I'm right. It just you just weren't able to do it. Yes, very right. much. But I all joking aside, and I think to some degree what you're saying is a joke. Is I'm saying it's my personal opinion. <laughs> is what I'm saying here is that you're going to be rejected a ton more if you're if you're anything but conventional. You're going to be rejected a ton more if you're truthful about it. And I'm not saying that you should be truthful about it if it's a, a nightly, you know, a fun little thing. Because as long as both parties, hey, that's, you know, hey, the whole idea that the girl is being somehow put upon is actually anti-feminist. The theory is the girl should be empowered, the woman, whatever age we're talking, the guy should be empowered. 
And there you go. And both parties know that they're going to be putting on, you know, it's a it's a night at the bar and it's probably going to be the best side of the other person. Okay, fine. But I don't know where that goes, right? And if you can be truthful, you're going to get a lot of re- And to me that's why final point. I think and and I'll be candid. Back in the day, I was and again, I've been married for over 10 years. Back in the day, I was a fan times 10 of the online dating stuff because my thinking was it's a numbers game. First of all, I'm super articulate or not articulate. I guess I write very well. Um, So it's like that medium was going to work for me. And also, you know, as the beginning point and also the idea that even if you're like a super social person and when I was single, I would go out a decent amount, double down and such and double down double down saloon yes mm. it's a famous place here in vegas amongst people that are cool and you never heard of it no yeah so <laughs> mackenzie you've been in vegas how long you've probably heard of it right i've been here since 2013 and that sounds very familiar I oh think my gosh. i think that's where my cool friends go i, I guess <laughs> i guess this is why we have such good hardcore guys doing their research they're not out <laughs> at the bars but what, what what i'll say is that even if you were super social Hey, Matt, you've had your time single. You're married now. How many people could you actually even get a surface impression of in a week? I, I, I'm going to say, like, if you can get 20, you're like the most social person ever. Uh, me, probably like two. Yeah, well, exactly, <laughs> right? But I'm saying even a super social. But online, the theory is that you could have some filtering process of in a city as big as Vegas, a thousand people. Yeah, right? in Vegas, you'd need it, I think. Right? Well... <laughs> See, I, why? Because you think that Vegas is somehow shallow? Uh, no, I, I have not personally dated, but I've been told that it's uh, hit or miss. Isn't this a good it. example, though, of the person who's telling you that is single, so thus it's either Vegas or them? Yeah, yes, logically, yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, it's usually, yeah. So I would say, actually, Vegas, and, and, and this is going to be something no one's ever said before. Like, I don't think. Uh-huh. Pause, pause. Uh, here it is. I think if you like smart people who aren't hyper-educated, because there is a downside to the hyper-educated people, because for the most part, they're not salt of the earth. It's usually an inverse relationship between someone that would, let's say, want to, uh, what's a good example of bouncing? You know, wanna, let's say go down to First Friday and, and not just where the art stuff is, but, you know, go down to a couple of the dive bars. If you're someone that wants to kind of be a knock-around type person, and I'm not saying everyone does, but so, and Matt, I think you're a knock-around type, actually, for an intellectual. Yeah, I think I would have had a great time if I was single in Vegas. Exactly, because what you get is a lot of people who are smart enough to move to Vegas, because if you don't have a college degree and you're decent looking, it's by far the place you're going to make the most money. Because the dealing, I mean, just all the dealers, blackjack, et cetera, is so good that, you know, back, I don't know what the numbers are today, but I know 10 plus years ago, the average dealer in blackjack was making 80K. And I mean, that's, you know, obviously with COVID-19 or whatever, it's different. But, you know, before that, it's had to have gone up. So, Fez, does that number sound right? Yeah, and it was so coveted. It does sound right, RJ. And my understanding is that for a long time, if you didn't have juice to get one of the jobs, the only way to get it was basically, hate to use the word bribe, but that's what it was, someone who was the decision maker in order to get into yeah, a premium spot. I hear spot. you, but if you, listen— 
the saying with VCs is, you if you don't know someone that knows us, then you don't know enough people, right? So you got to get a warm introduction typically with a v, uh, venture capitalist. Well, if you are in Vegas for any length of time and you don't know someone that knows someone, you're not social enough for those jobs anyway. That's a great point. So yes. someone who's social and good looking, and I'm not talking model, I'm talking decent or let's say good looking, is going to make so much money in Vegas. And anyone who's kind of uh, looking to use their brain, to, not to get over, but, you know, that doesn't have a college degree. You know, to me, the thing I loved that drew me here was it's the most Darwinian place on earth that literally you come here. If you're smart enough, you don't ever have to work a straight job. And if you're not, you're going to be working a straight job and maybe it's poker, maybe it's blackjack, maybe it's sports, whatever it is, some other advantage play. This is the place that you don't need any, you can be a high school dropout. And if you're a great poker player, does anyone care? You're a high school dropout. No. What was Stu Unger's education? No one probably knows. High school dropout. Yeah. Right. Didn't you think anyone ever put up their nose at Stu Unger? This is America. Vegas is America distilled down to its best and its worst. And it's also, if you have any leak, it's going to get you. If it's women, it's going to get you. If it's drugs, it's going to get you. If it's um, uh, you go on tilt, it's going to get you. If you don't have whatever the leak is, and there's a a couple ways women can be the leak. It can be the strippers or it can be the wife that eventually takes half. The leak is going to get you in Vegas. Faz, yeah, did you and, know I think, that? and I think we saw that. You know, we, we, we obviously with Stu Unger, but we've seen you know other gamblers where you know what when you're running good and you're making tons of money year after year, and then it becomes more difficult, or you just have a down year because of variance. If when your bankroll gets shot, then you're out of business because then you can't risk what you need to risk in order to make that kind of money. And there's too many guys that uh, year after year are spending all the money that they're winning, not anticipating that negative variance. You're not just going south in terms of their abilities, but just variance gets catches yeah, up to it's a lot almost, of guys. It's almost impossible for someone that hasn't had that year Everyone's the, the person that's not like that. Right? I'm the exception. That's what everyone thinks until they have the first one. And then the question is, can they recover from it? Because some people, it breaks their ego and they can never have the confidence to do it again. Others are so horrified at how low they got because of that year, they never want to risk it again. You know, uh, Nogranyu, Daniel, was, uh, made a great point. He got broke by the big game four times and the fifth time he stuck. What's more rare, Daniel having enough talent to stick there or being willing to go back the fifth time? It's an interesting question. Yeah, because who's going to come back even the third time? It's a well, great point. And even in the movie Rounders, you know, at the very beginning, um, Damon mentions, you know, hey, a lot of the pros, top pros, won't even play No Limit. They simply can't handle the fluctuations in that game. And to some degree, that sounds outdated, but... Remember, until Moneymaker, it was hard to find a no-limit game in Vegas. I mean, literally, the World Series main event was decided by it. They just weren't around. I mean, I was at the Mirage every freaking night for a couple of years when I was doing more, more poker than sports. And this was between 98 and January 98 and when the Bellagio opened, which I think was June of 2000, maybe. 
but if that sounds right, but I don't know. But you might want to look at it, McKenzie. Is I was I was as much of a regular at the Mirage as anyone, and I'll tell you right now, there wasn't a no limit game spread there for two and a half years once. And that was the wow. biggest, that was, a, or let's just say this, I never saw, I mean, there might've been a private game up, you know, up the steps or whatever. So I shouldn't say, I, it wasn't something on the, you know, an open game on the board that I ever saw. And I was there probably 40 plus hours a week. And, you know, it was all limit. It was all limit. And that wasn't cause I don't know why, you know, in fact, the, the point was right. What we've seen in the movie, what we've seen happen is the, the the good players get the money so fast at no limit that the game gets itself choked out. But what ended up happening was there was such an influx of people coming in because of all the TV, it was fine. But, I mean, how's the no limit games now? They're freaking horrendous. They're, they're almost, un, well, I guess they're not unbeatable. They're, the 2-5 game now is tougher than the 5-10 game used to be. And the 5-10 game was a good game. You can make a living at that. A good 5-10 player can make a good living, over 100. And I, I, there were certainly years I could have made over 100 playing cards if I would have done a 40-plus hours during the moneymaker boom, right? That is not – if I could make 40 playing cards now, I'd feel lucky. Now, my game would get better if I was playing 40 a week, right, and trying to make 40 on the year – but boy, that is a hard way to make an easy living. Yeah, right? and, and bottom line is you'd have to go game selection. You'd have to play, you know, Friday night from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. and you're pick, right. And, and pick the games that you could make your 40 bucks an hour, and they wouldn't be good hours to work. And if you want to play online, you know this, RJ. Uh, well, gosh. I was never an online guy, but I conceptually understand. Oh my God, online! You know, a typical five uh, ten game in cash—that's like a—that's like a fifty cent dollar game on online in terms of literally. Um, like on WSOP, if you look at these tables, you see the same guys. It's it, it literally is pro, 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 just waiting for one tourist to come in or one local to just rip them apart. And in no limit games, that's the key. I'd rather play in a game, let's say it's eight-handed, so there's seven other players, with one bad guy and seven guys better than me than I would in a game that everyone was about my level. Because that bad guy gets picked off. You just got to get lucky enough to be the one. One, you know, he'll get picked off three times, probably, right? So, you know, if he does, and it, you got to hope he wins a hand, right? A, you know, <laughs> sure. a, a sixty forty, and you know, forty for him or whatever. And that—that's how you, you know, it really is not like that in limit. But most people listening probably have only played no limit in a way, right? Because it's been so many since the boom. It'll be interesting to see if the limit gets to be big. I know it's bigger than it was five years ago. So, all right. Should we mention, RJ, WSOP just came out with the news, uh, postponement, hoping to have the World Series of Poker live in the fall. We will see, right? Yeah, we're going to try. Matt actually has a history. Hollywood Matt has a history <laughs> with p- poker. So what, what did you what did you do? You did esports, and did, did you do poker, or you know a lot of people that do poker? I was a producer for the esports company, which was a sister company to Poker Go, which produced WSOP. Yeah, and actually our new audio engineer, uh, would, uh, Daniel, what's he do with uh Poke, is he the head engineer over there? No, he's the A- A1, which is the head operational guy who he does the audio recording and engineering during live shows. Damn, no wonder Fezzik sounds so good. Now, once I get back in the studio to my new setup, I, 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 you want to talk about jonesing for something. Jeez. You know, last thing is uh, I told one Chico Baker story before. He was a famous guy at the Mirage. 
and he kind of befriended me. He was any new guy he wanted to see if he could take him somehow. And but you know, once he saw he couldn't, he was uh, you know, if anything, he taught me a lot of the tricks of Vegas. I just kind of defending myself from him. But <laughs> he actually got barred from every place eventually because he, he was uh, always trying to you know catch the whole cards of people like crazy. And um, I'm not sure what he got because I was already not playing as much. But he, uh, a guy who still works for me, he was my college roommate, had lived in Vegas and he heads up customer service. Mark, Mark's a big dude. I'll just say this. I mean, like a big guy. He's not 280. He's a big guy. And when he met Chico, Chico looked straight at him without saying a word before. And he says, the buffets, they're the great enemy. And then he turns around and walks away. (laughs) 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 He was always telling you what what was going to get you in Vegas, right? And this was 98, which was, again, a different time. Because Vegas had a big influx of people for probably five years prior. But it was still... The influx hadn't dominated. Now, you know, back then, if you met someone who went to school that was that went to grade school in Vegas, it was it was um, the rarest thing, because the, there was enough of an influx that there was most people hadn't, but no one who was part of the influx had yet had enough time. Like their parents being the influx. Now, almost everyone I meet that's younger. It's from Vegas because it's all the kids of the people who came during the time when I came. So it's kind of interesting where there was that rarity back then. Now you might think, oh, well, there's even more people coming to Vegas. Yeah, but there's so many of them. It's been here now a generation and a half. So, yeah, it's funny as much as I I would like with today's eyes, I would love to go spend a month in Vegas in 98, even though I was there. I didn't know so much what to look for. I, I just was, it's like anything though, right? It's always like that. When you're experiencing it, you don't realize what it's going to seem like contextually in hindsight, right? I was, I was whining. We didn't see the old Vegas back then. Oh, it'd be nice mm. if we could have seen Sinatra. And it's like, now I feel like when I read about something that happened in 98 in Vegas, I'm man, that was a long time. And it's like, well, fuck, I was here. So it's kind of a weird thing in that regard. And I mean, Fez, you came, you know, what, a couple years after, right? Yeah, 2001. I still don't know how I missed WrestleMania. What was it, 9 or 11, the one where the Hulkster won against Yoko Ono? That was at Caesars. I said, how did I miss that? Well, you were probably, uh, you know, doing something, volunteering for some type of ecologically sound. (laughs) There's probably a video poker promotion no, no, that no, was no. paying I, I oh i think you were doing something to help uh, the recycling effort. yeah yeah here to give you a piece of their mind and their betting portfolio we got tommy the hitman and diamond dave Esler. they both have nfl plays which i know you all will love they did wet my beak when i heard them let's check them out best bets from tommy the hitman and diamond dave Esler. don't know about the future that's anybody's guess ain't no good I love and bet the Patriots season win total over nine. And I think I have a bet with Fezzik on this already. They won seven games last season with a passing game that was anywhere from 29th to 32nd in most important statistical categories. That was, of course, a 16-game season. So can Newton, if he starts, be any worse 
with Aguilar, Bourne, and Jonah Smith than he was with what he started last season with? No. And I think he will start. Bill isn't going to sacrifice Jones uh, or anyone for that matter for, for any winning the game or, or for the future. Hightower sat out last year. Kyle Van Noy's back. According to most computers I've seen, New England's strength of schedule this year is 19th, which is actually easier than all three division rivals. Last year, according to many preseason projections, New England had one of, if not in some cases, the toughest strength of schedule. So when you ask yourself the simple question, with the 17th game, the additions, the schedule, the question is, are they two games better this season than last? My answer is yes. So I bet the New England Patriots over nine regular season wins. Best bet, Matt Stafford, 18 to 1 to win MVP. You could even find a 25 to 1 at Westgate right now. Yes, this is obvious, but I don't think it can be overstated enough what an upgrade Stafford is in getting a play caller and surrounding talent compared to his days in Detroit. I've always believed that Stafford was a top eight quarterback in the league, and McVeigh is the type of quarterback elevator who could put Stafford in the top three to top five of the league statistically. It's of my opinion that Jared Goff is a bottom-tier starting quarterback. McVay was able to turn him into a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback during a two- to three-year stretch of his career. The Rams get a big boost of Aaron Rodgers, sits out for the Packers, as now they become the clear number two team in the NFC in my power ratings. A lot of the MVP voting is about narrative, and I could see Stafford being a feel-good story this year the Rams have the type of success I anticipate them having in his first season away from Detroit. Best bet, Matt Stafford, 18-1, to league MVP.